Moncrief on News Talk. Will we be waving fly by to dunk or is it Denise Van out of here? Give it to us. Put me out of my misery, please. Oh, this is so horrible. Oh, I need a good old cup of tea after this and a lie down. Saffron's typing. Oh no. Come on, Saffron, give it to me. Let me know. Ah! Duncan. Ah! It's me. Whoa! Duncan! Oh! Oh! I'm in shock. Are you joking me? Oh, it's Duncan! Uh, right, that is the uh, Celebrity Circle. It's on weeknights at 9pm on Channel 4. James Dempsey joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, James. Good afternoon to you. Uh, I must say, I've never watched uh, the, the normal circle. I've seen lots of uh, of trailers for it and I jumped to perhaps an unreasonable conclusion that it was utter garbage and I had no interest <laughs> in seeing it. Uh, was I wrong? Um, not entirely, no, okay? Like, as in, I have to admit, the first ever episode of The Circle that I have seen was Tuesday evening's celebrity version. I had never seen it before that, but I know it has been a big, big hit for Channel 4 and uh, and Studio Lambert, which is the studio that makes Gogglebox and Naked Attraction. And they've sold the format around the world to France, to Brazil. The US version of the show is on Netflix here, if anybody wants to watch it that way. But um, I, So I haven't seen it, but I've seen kind of chatter and buzz about it. And I sat down and I watched it and like, I'm, you know, this is not profound television by any means, <laughs> but I, I kind of warmed to the celebrity version while I would have more reservations about the, the you know, the regular, regular version. Yeah. And I want to say that obviously I haven't seen the regular version, so <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Fair enough. But yeah. Let me make my point. Yeah. Well, for, well, for so people who are unfamiliar whole... with it. Yeah. Can you tell us like, what's, the, how does this work? What's supposed to happen? So, yeah, exactly. So this, right, basically a group of people take part in a reality competition show that seems perfectly made for COVID times in fairness, right? Like as in this was the easiest show to make under under lockdown conditions. They are all um, sequestered in a room in this block of flats in Salford and they can be themselves or they can put on a persona and pretend to be someone else, which uh, as everyone knows in internet parlance is known as catfishing. And the aim of the game is to just be the most popular person on a fake social media. It's a bit like a computer on Star Trek, to be honest with you. Like, you know, they, they turn to a computer screen and they go, circle, you know, send this message and they speak into it and then a message sends. And they just interact with each other through instant messaging or group messaging or uh, various uh, activities that get thrown their way. Mm. And basically that's it, right? They just try to be the most popular person in the in the entire show. And at the end, whoever is the most popular person wins, I think, 70,000 euros normally or pounds normally. And the person that the at-home audience likes the most wins 30,000 pounds. And that's the format. Now, I kind of think it's absolutely fine when it comes to the celeb version, because, you know, the celebs are the kind of celebs you would expect, right? Duncan James from Blue. You heard Denise Van Outen there. Uh, the others are people I'm slightly less familiar with. The only on, uh, the only other one I actually knew was uh, Kay Adams and Julia Sawala, who are two of the loose women. But they're not in, they, they, while they are a duo, 
they are pretending to be Gemma Collins. And there's two Radio 1 DJs, Melvin Odom and Ricky Hayward Williams. They're pretending to be Will I Am, whereas uh, Pete Wicks and Sam Thompson <laughs> are pretending to be Rachel Riley of, of Countdown. And I kind of think it's okay in this celebrity version because kind of everyone is in on the joke and these celebrities are in the public eye anyway. It's a lot more, I would imagine, dubious and spurious when it comes to the normal person version of the show because, you know, you can do anything. You can change your gender. You can change your race. You can say anything about yourself. You can create an entire persona and in doing so, wade into an awful lot of like think pieces and mm. hot takes that I think are potentially very, very, very fraught. Now, again, I want to say I have never seen the or- the original one, right? So I don't know how it's executed. I don't know if they managed to pull this off with the plum. But I could see this being a show like I can imagine there are plenty of people listening into the show who heard what you were talking about before. You know, we got to this segment who may have been the victims of catfishing online and don't think it's very funny to see, you know, this kind of idea just glamorized or or made fun of or be the, you know, the butt of the joke in a TV show. Right now at the end. Basically, it's OK. Yeah. <laughs> kind of really what I'm saying about it. I, I could see it being. You know, I could see it being very much in 10 years time that we'll look back at this and, and think, God, wasn't that a bit cruel what we were doing or, or stuff like that? Yeah, no. The, the, and just to be clear, so you have people in these kind of different departments who were isolated from each other and they have some sort of social media platform. They're all communicating with each other. And are they told at the start, now you're going to pretend to be Gemma Collins? Is that the way it works? My understanding is they determine their own destiny, be it truth or lie. Right. So you go into the show and you can decide that, you know, you will get you will do better in this show by pretending to be someone else or you will do better in the show by being yourself. Now, what I will say is there's a very interesting article in The Guardian all about uh, all about the circle. And they talk at length, Studio Lambert and the show's producers about how this is a show where they've gone out of their way to provide, you know, after after show care to the to the participants, particularly with regard to sort of psychological welfare. And a few of the participants on the show have been somewhat critical of that. They've said, like, it isn't quite the same. And that a lot of the participants, even, uh, you know, even the guy who won the last series, an Irish guy named Paddy Smith, Mm. um, he has, he well, in this article anyway, he's quoted as saying that he's found it very difficult after coming out of the show that, you know, people, he's a man with cerebral palsy and that people sort of online were accusing him of of playing this up almost for sympathy amongst, amongst the other participants. And Look, I know the internet is a cesspit of just horrendous horror <laughs> and it just gets worse every every day, one day after the next. But but like I can imagine how if you if you go on this show and you particularly if you go on the show as someone else, right? If you if you invent some persona, if you you know basically take on someone's identity, be it race or gender or disability or sexuality or you know, gender identity or any of these very, very, uh, you know, significant and important mm. parts of people's lifestyles that you're opening yourself up to a lot of, crit- you know, criticism, just or unjust down the line. Right. Yeah. Uh, you can see how it's kind of a fraught one. All right. Uh, the, um, one Texas says the circle is all about how you can be yourself and how you can be playing as if you are someone else. What has happened already in the celeb version, some of the contestants know the others personally, and already the catfish is in trouble. Uh, yeah. I suppose, but yeah. I have to admit, 
I, I have to admit, what I, what I, I while I've, I've given all that kind of like very polemic hot take, I have to admit I enjoyed the first two parts of the celebrity one as well because I guess everyone that they're that they're co-opting is a real person, right? Mm. And uh, even if they're pretending to be them, they're not kind of mocking them. They're not, you know, uh, they're not really. I don't know. Look, I, I, maybe I'm talking nonsense as well, to be honest with you. But uh, if, as a light sort of mid-pandemic reality TV show with celebs go, it's not that bad. <laughs> right, fair and enough. I, I, yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, right. Okay, a few bits of uh, uh, TV news. Uh, we're going to say bye-bye to Pepe Le Pau, or Pepe Le Pew, I should say. Yeah, Pepe Le Pew has been shelved, right? Oh, now, it actually happened a year ago, um, but Warner Brothers hadn't really announced it. So they did reveal this week... Uh, in an article in the New York Times that Pepe Le Pew, who first debuted in 1949 in an Oscar-winning short called For Sentimental Reasons, um, has been shelved and will not appear in any future Warner Brothers Looney Tunes TV shows, nor the forthcoming Space Jam sequel, which I think is set for release in July. And I think you can, well, I think a lot of people could probably understand why, but in a recent article in the in the New York Times, uh, this guy was saying that um, basically Pepe Le Pew sort of embodies male entitlement and sends a very bad message, very bad messages to young viewers about, you know, unwanted uh, attraction and interaction between people. Mm. And then actually, while this was happening, the actor who currently voices Speedy Gonzalez, this guy named Gabriel Inglesias, he he was tweeting that, like, you're going to cancel Pepe Le Pew, but you can't cancel, you know, you can't cancel Speedy Gonzalez. The, the, he basically said, you know, can, uh, cancel culture cannot catch up with him. Um, and uh, actually, academics have backed him up because they say it's it, even though Speedy Gonzalez is a very drawn caricature of Mexican identity, um, it's better to have some Mexican identity on the screen than to just shelve him altogether and not see him at all. Yeah, plus it's your man's job. So <laughs> exactly. he, he doesn't want to get cancelled. And uh, uh, Annie Murphy, she of Shits Creek and all the Home Alone films and, uh, and, uh, and lots more besides, uh, is she's going to be in the second series of Russian Doll. Well, I regret to inform you, you're thinking of Catherine O'Hara. Annie Murphy is Alexis, the daughter. Ah, but yes, right, sorry, is, you're right. Yes, yeah, sorry about she that. She is yeah. going to be in yeah. uh, Russian Doll Season 2, which I'm so delighted to hear has gone back into production because Russian Doll debuted in February 2019, which I think we all can agree was about nine years ago at this stage. And it was this big cult hit. It starred Natasha Lyonne, who was nominated for 13 Emmys at 1-3. It's created by Amy Poehler, and it's... It's great. It's a bit of a slow start, I have to admit, but I really, really warmed to it by the end. It's about this woman named Nadia who gets trapped in a time loop and has to you know, relive her 36th birthday over and over and over again. And it's unknown what Murphy's going to be doing, but it's sort of uh, the kind of rumor mill is that she'll have something to do with her backstory and the role that Chloe Sevigny played in in flashbacks to uh, to Nadia's childhood. And the other thing, but like uh, Annie Murphy is really like so hot right now because a trailer has just been released for AMC's Kevin Can F Himself, which she is the lead role in. And that is sort of a skewering. It's a bit like it's a bit one division esque, uh, but I would say, you know, a few more cursing and, and uh, hard drinking. And it's a, it, it, it skewers how sitcoms portray female wise of like schlubby, you know, overweight, grumpy, angry, you know, idiot men. And it's a direct riff on Kevin James and the sitcom Kevin Can Wait. 
the trailer looks interesting, certainly. So I'm looking forward to that later on in the year. Right, yes. And and to try and desperately try to recover uh, um, identifying the wrong person. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think I read Annie Murphy prior to Shit's Creek was going to give up acting. Uh, and yeah. was fairly close to giving it up. That's right, yeah. Like, I think she'd gone maybe a year or something without booking any job at all, or even longer anyway. Was living in, maybe not living in her car, but like on the, on, you know, on the cusp of living in her car or something. And, and Schitt's Creek came along at just the right time. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you're listening to Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, we have to uh, take a break. Two more shows to talk about after this. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. James Dempsey uh, is still with us. He's already told us about uh, the celebrity circle that's uh, running on weeknights at 9pm on Channel 4. And, you know, it's OK uh, if you like that sort of thing. Uh, not to put words in James's mouth. Uh, that Paul says, I'm seven episodes into your honour. And despite what James said last week, I have to say it's the best show on TV in the last year. Brian Cranston is incredible, just incredible, and the actor who plays the mob boss is so sinister. It's amazing. Every episode is gripping and believable. I think James should rewatch it. Uh, uh, says Paul. <laughs> so I, all I'll say in my defense is after last week's show, my brother Patrick sent me a text and he was like, oh, it's absolutely rubbish. I hate it. So maybe it's just a Dempsey thing. To be yeah, honest with <laughs> it's kind of stressy. I've only watched two episodes and it is kind of stressy to watch. It's one of those you're shouting at the TV screen and going, why are <laughs> you so stupid? Uh, why too are you many contrivances that? as well for me. Just yeah. too many things linked together. Yeah. And the guy who plays the mob boss, it's... Um, What's Michael Stuhlberg. Yeah, he he never plays nice characters on on. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, no, he's he, he's he's the really nice dad in Call Me by Your Name. All oh, right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, because I I sometimes wonder that about like Aidan Gillen. Now I'm sure Aidan Gillen's <laughs> a lovely fella, but I mean, it's like he probably his agent rings up and goes, "It's another psycho, Aidan." What you know? <laughs> and he's going, oh, "I suppose you got to eat." Uh, right. Uh, also on the subject of uh, Pepe Le Pew, uh, uh, who is no more, so to speak. I, I read the story about Pepe Le Pew and was surprised how I watched that c- a cartoon without feeling uncomfortable. Maybe the animation skewed my thoughts on it. But he really is a troubling character. Well, I suppose yeah, he was a type from a certain time, and it was almost seen like a, as a comedy trope. Uh, the Pepe Le Pew uh, originally when I suppose when it was originated anyway we'll move on to our second uh, show of the day it is Smother it's uh, running on Sundays at 9.30 on RTE 1 though you can catch up on the RTE player here's a clip we're both still young enough to grab what life has in store for us and old enough and mature enough to make that decision together what's he saying? We are going to be telling them tomorrow anyway. No, do this now, So, what better than a joyous party to celebrate the end of our journey as man and wife and the beginning of our new journey as best friends? My birthday gift to you, Va. And I give it with love and respect. Your freedom. Happy birthday. Mm, I don't quite buy the love and respect aspect of that. Uh, so uh, uh, that's, you know, that's a fairly tense situation there, James. What's the kind of general premise here? So this is a new 
you know, thriller and murder mystery show on RTE. And uh, uh, what we don't really get from that clip is that man, uh, Stuart Graham as Dennis. Uh, we see him vaguely, we vaguely see him anyway, get pushed over a cliff or fall over a cliff after a tumble with a mysterious torch bearing stranger at like, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning or something off the coast of Clare. And his body is found the next day. And it's a kind of very classic whodunit, right? Because even by, even with that clip, you know, it it sets up that there's potential of, you know, who did it in, right? He's, he's, there he's breaking up with his wife who's played by Dervla Kerwin at her 50th birthday party you hear the various daughters going on in the background you know what's he up to blah 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 uh, so there's already immediate suspects and then it just kept adding more <laughs> more and more suspects to it I found this incredibly Byzantine for as a like as a plot because you know we had this internal family struggle there's also so many women in the show and look i'm all for women on tv but i actually thought at one point they decided to give each one of the three daughters a different hair color just so that we could kind of keep track of who's who <laughs> and basically um there's you know, the, the family is this incredibly wealthy i guess uh family in county clare and uh dennis is dead and who who done it but so we we have the potential that it's it's dervla Kerwin who was getting revenge for how he you know, did her over at the party. Maybe it's the lover she was leaving him for. Maybe it's the uh, youngest daughter who's played by Shauna Kerslake, who is going through some some very big moments of mental uh, instability that are not in any way subtle in her performance. There's two other daughters. Uh, I think one is pregnant and the other one is adopting older boys. So then there's also the adopted mother of those children who was some for some reason invited to the party. Then at some as one moment I looked up and Carrie Crowley was there and I have absolutely no idea who she was or how she was related to this family. And then Hilary Rose of um uh, of the young offenders appeared at one point as well. And I'm not quite sure exactly who she was either. And I think she might be back later on. But to me, just every time I, I looked at my screen, I just thought there was more and more and more going on. Because in addition to, you know, in addition to the, the murder, uh, well, is it murder? We don't know yet, but I would think we can probably assume they're going to investigate that. Mm. In addition to that, one of the policemen is a former lover of one of the daughters who is now uh, going to have a baby with one of her friends. And it just all is building on top of each other. Not quite in as contrived way, I feel, as Your Honor, which to me seemed uh, like ridiculous that in in this you know city that all these people are interconnected. Whereas at least these are all people in one house in yeah, County Clare. That's true, but they're but they're living very, 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 very dramatic lives. Now it's not. Uh, I've been quite scathing of it. I would say in that appraisal, it's not. Again, it's again another example of not bad. Right, this is perfectly competent decent Sunday night fair but I don't think it's any classic that you're going to remember for years and years to come because it just seemed fairly perfunctory by the by the numbers who done it for me with beautiful visuals beautiful houses and County Clare is the real star yeah that. actually that's that's yeah that's uh, just judging from the texts that are popping up in front of me now and actually what I saw on Twitter on Sunday the house seems to be the real star of this show yeah true yeah it's just this really really beautiful house Right. Okay. And it, it, it sounds in your description, though, like it is a straightforward who done it, which is perfectly fine. But their strategy, if you like, is to just throw up MacGuffins, a wall of MacGuffins in front of you uh, to keep you guessing. I think so. Yeah. I th and even though this, this first episode was designed to kind of introduce us to everybody who might have done it, 
at the end of it, I kind of felt like I didn't know any of these people any better and nor was I really in any way invested in what was going on in their story either. And that's just not a great start to a, to a mystery for me. Right. Or you may not have even seen who did it yet, James. There might be somebody else uh, who are, it could, the dog <laughs> might have done it or the, or the interior decorator uh, might make a, a late appearance. Uh, right. We'll move on to uh, the third show uh, today. It is Solar Opposites Season 1, now streaming on Star. That's on Disney+. Plus. Here's a clip. Michael speaking. This is Corvo the alien. I'm calling to say you and your whole squad and I your mom. Oh, hey. The ship is totally repaired. We can finally leave this whole planet. So long, Earth suckers. Enjoy the melting ice caps. No, 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 Damn it, how are we still so bad at this? This puts us right back to where we were a year ago. Oh my god, make a bigger deal about it, you poopy. Yay, we're still trapped on Earth. <laughs> there you go, poopy being the only word uh, we could not uh, bleep there. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is animation, James. Yeah, so it's animation from Justin Roiland, who um, is the co-creator and voice of both Rick and Morty on Rick and Morty. And another guy named Mike McLahan, who uh, is the creator of Star Trek Lower Decks, which came to us on Amazon Prime recently, Mm. uh, which I have to admit I didn't take to. I watched a couple episodes, didn't really like it. This, if you like Rick and Morty, you're in safe territory here. But I also would argue it's a little bit like Rick and Morty, which for me, took a little while to kind of find its groove. I watched the first episode of this and thought, mm, okay, I'm not quite sure. But then two, three, four, which are all we have available yet. I imagine five and six of only eight in the first season are, are coming uh, tomorrow. But it's, it is, it's, it's wild. It's, it's, I mean, I'm reluctant to use the word wacky because it's, it's not really wacky, but it's, it is irreverent. It is violent. It is very, very adult. Certainly this is why they created, I guess, a, you know, a new pin system for Disney plus, but it is, if you like Rick and Morty, it's a good place to start. But I also highly, highly want to credit it for having this incredibly weird subplot. So it's about this, these aliens from a planet their planet has been destroyed they've crash landed on earth there's four of them you have justin roiland as corvo thomas middleditch uh, as as terry and then they've kind of two sort of younger ones and the two younger ones uh, often get better subplots and one of them involves them shrinking human beings down and keeping them as pets in various i would imagine terraria is the plural of terrariums but they're in this wall and they create this whole sub subplot among in the show about the human beings in this terrarium who are giving who are living this sort of dystopian nightmare world and scavenging and fighting all of each other the voice actors for that include alfred molina and christina Hendricks of mad men and that subplot in and of itself is so odd and strange and funny and weird that like i actually think it's it's worthwhile tuning in almost just for that and i know at one point i think it's episode seven it's dedicated it's dedicated entirely to their story so like i'm just basically highly anticipating that one when it does finally arrive okay yeah that just sounds diverting enough i must say i didn't like star trek lower decks that much either it was a bit meh yeah, that yeah. would be my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't half as clever as it uh, as it thought it was. Uh, James, thanks a million as ever. James Dempsey, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to uh, take a commercial break. After that, when were the first cities constructed? Moncrief on News Talk.